Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, here we are. We're beginning um, the fourth week or the final week of this series called Matthew. I know we've taken a little bit of a break on that, but who, uh, who found a few things about St. Patrick that maybe you didn't know? Isn't that just one of the best stories? I mean, it's, it's like, wow, this guy was all about the cause of Christ. And it was so exciting to see how he was all in. And in the end result, not only one nation, but two nations came to Christ because of Patrick. Well, over the past few weeks, we've seen how the kingdom of heaven was originally established in Jesus, through Jesus, by Jesus. Now, in week one, when we started this series, in the natural, Jesus was an unlikely king or an unlikely hero who went unnoticed by many of the religious leaders of the day. I mean, they expected something entirely different. They wanted it to be grand or to be more profound, to be regal, and not somebody being born in a barn. But Jesus humbled himself time and time again from from being in the barn to being challenged by the religious leaders of the day. And then humbling himself to the cross, ultimately getting back to the right hand of the Father. Then in week two, in Jesus' kingdom, it was announced and introduced in a very similar but absurd manner like his birth. God chose John the Baptist. Oh, we revere him now. But have you ever seen somebody really bad off? The worst of the worst of the homeless. His clothes are camel hair. He eats locusts and wild honey. He is odd beyond odd. And God says, that's going to be my herald to declare the coming of Jesus. And to declare, who? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is who God uses, but this is part of it. And then in week three, well, from there, we go into week three where Jesus, we find him being inaugurated. The Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. God the Father speaks, says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. He goes right from there out to the desert. There, 40 days, 40 nights, he fasts. And there he is tempted. There he is tested by the hand of the enemy of his soul. And he says, but the word of God says. But the word of God says. Three times. Three times, but the word of God says. It's powerful. Jesus teaches us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even your most profound sin. Today, as we conclude this series, I want us to notice that the mission and the ministry of Jesus, it was and still is so important that it literally moved people to action. People went out 
and told other people about Jesus. Did, did you catch that? They heard this story about Jesus. They experienced this story about Jesus. They experienced Jesus, and they had to go, hey, hey, hey Bob, can I tell you something? There's this guy, Jesus. Let, let me tell you. Wow. It moved them. They couldn't just sit there. Some of them literally, literally left their families and their livelihoods, their careers, to go and follow Jesus. I mean, Luke was a doctor, but he wasn't one of the 12. He left everything. He's a doctor to go do this, to be a part of the ministry. How important is the gospel to us, to you? Does it move you to action and not just being a spectator? I'll be honest with you. I've, I've been a fan of, of lots of sports, and I've been an athlete. And if the Lord would allow me, I would much rather be on the field than on the sidelines. That's just the way it is. And I'll tell you what. Most people would rather be on the court, on the field, doing the stuff than being in the bleachers. That's safe. Everybody can play Monday quarterback. But how about just playing quarterback? How about being in the trenches? If you go to River Rock, you're in the trenches. You got to get dirty. If your uniform's clean after the game, there's a problem. You must be ineligible. Your grades are bad. Because we put everybody on the field to play. We want everybody out there to play. Why? Because on Jesus' team, everybody plays. Nobody retires and nobody's ineligible. Let's get our uniform dirty. The kingdom of God only continues when the people of God do the work of the kingdom. If we stop doing the great commission, then the kingdom stops with us. We need to let the mission, the commission, we need to let the gospel move us. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4. We'll start at verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So John, he got arrested. That's his cousin. And Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He, he went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, besides the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zubalon and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah in the land of Zebulon and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where Christ cast its shadow, a light has shined. In the verses following Jesus' water baptism and their being tempted and tested, in the wilderness, we see the beginnings of this earthly ministry here with Jesus now. 
And after John has, has been arrested, Jesus picks up the mantle that was on John because he confronted truth. He told the people in authority, you're out of line. You're being immoral. You can't sleep with her. You're married. They didn't like that. Put him in jail. Well, the mission still has to go on. And Jesus picks up the mantle. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. And Jesus was well aware that Jesus himself, he was the light of the world and had come to save the world from a shadowy death. Jesus was the hope. Jesus was the unlikely hero that the world needed and yet the world really didn't know yet. And this mission truly defined who Jesus was. What's the mission that defines you? When people look at you and they talk about you, what do they say you were about? Not what you think. Is it so clear to others that they know what you think? They know your mission. They know that it's Jesus. They know that you love the unlovable. They know you take it serious, the name of Christian. Do they know that? So let's look at Matthew chapter 4. Now let's go to verses 18 and 22. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, doesn't this begin to sound just like a fairy tale? I mean, who's going to leave their occupation, their livelihood, they got families to feed, and they just get up and walk? Jesus says, come follow me. Okay. Seems naive. There's some backstory. We're going to get to it. There's some backstory to why they did that. Verse 21, a little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in the boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. As Jesus moved through the country ministering, he came across people who had this potential to join the cause of Christ. In two different scenarios here in the text we just read, he talks to these two brothers, they leave and follow him. He talks to these two brothers, they leave and they follow him. I mean, what's going on? He's going to fishermen. Let's just be honest. These aren't the cream of the crop. They're not white-collar folk. And somehow he sees something in them and says, hey, come follow me. But that come follow me has a completely under, different understanding to them than it does to us. You see, 
In the Jewish culture, when you're around the age of 14, there comes a time when the young boys are brought before the high priest and there they're actually interrogated, they're actually vetted really hard, really strong. And if during that time he looks at you and says, I'm sorry, no. Go back to your father and your mother and be a part of their family business. Go be a farmer. Go be a blacksmith. Go do whatever. But this is not for you. But then he may go around again and then find somebody else and he'll say, hmm, you, come follow me. He now becomes the protege of that priest. He's going to learn the tenets of his faith. Remember the pomegranates, all these little things. He's going to come and they will actually, the people in the community will say, may the dust of your rabbi be upon you. Because as they begin to walk down through the street, as the high priest is walking, here comes all of his little entourage. And all the dust is up, and this is covering them all. But it's such an honor to be in that position that people gave it a name and said, may you be blessed by the dust of your rabbi. Because you were selected. You were called to come and follow me. And that priest would teach them everything on how to become a priest, how to become a rabbi, how to go forward for the kingdom. Well, Jesus was recognized. He was understood to be a rabbi. And so all of a sudden, he goes up to these regular fishing, these fishermen and says, Hey, Simon, hey, Andrew. Come follow me. What? Now, do you not realize Jesus was told he couldn't be a priest when he was 14? He was not one of those with the dust all over his face. But at the age of 12, he's there within the synagogue. He's there teaching everybody as a little boy the things of God and telling them that these scriptures are fulfilled. He's speaking to them at a level beyond the priest, and yet at 14, he's not even welcome. But somehow the people knew. And so when he says to Simon, to Andrew, to Peter, right? Come follow me. They go, we're out of here. Why? It was an honor to your family. And it was an honor to your extended family, to your community. Did you see Miguel? He got called up. They saw it as an honor. So why did the other two boys of Zebedee get going? Because it was an honor. The rabbi said, come, follow me. And so they got up and they left. I got news for you today. Did you know Jesus is looking at you today? He has sent the power of the Holy Spirit to let everybody know, I'm not just cherry picking. I want everybody to know, come, all of you, come follow me. Every one of you, but, but, no, no, no buts, no, no, no fear, no arrogance, no selfishness, no pride, no worry, no anxiety, just come. Come and go tell everybody about the kingdom. Go tell everybody about the gospel. 
and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And let them know that I'm with them to the very end of the age. Wow. I don't know about you, but that kind of changes that whole story for me. To see it like that. Who can you think of right now that could or should be a part of the kingdom? And maybe you haven't talked to them about it yet. Who? Can you see their face? Have you prayed for them? Now pray that God give you that opportunity. You can share the beloved gospel with them. Why? Because Jesus is saying, come follow me. The gospel is compelling. In the first encounter, Jesus was, has it that Peter and his brother Andrew, right? Verse, chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. What kind of things get you moving? What motivates you to take up your fishnets and just drop them and say, I'm going to do it? Whatever it is, however it is, I'm all in. I'm all in. And when you're working for the kingdom, do you know when you work for the kingdom, titles don't matter. I, I'm a pastor. Who cares? Believe me, I know people don't care. They care if you're really like Jesus or not. They care if you're real, if you're normal, if you get them. And then you share the love of Jesus and the wisdom of the Lord. People don't want to know. Well, uh, I'm Pastor Marvin Telmontos. I, I do have a bachelor's degree in pastoral ministries. I also got a master's degree in theology. And, and I know somebody who is a doctor of theology. Whoopee! Peter, Andrew... All these guys, they didn't have an education. The first guy to preach was the big mouth, Peter. And 5,000 got saved. I don't think his education mattered. His willingness to work for the cause of Christ for the kingdom. Let's look at 23 and 24. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed some kinds of disease and illness? Did you see that? That, that? that word means everything. Every kind of disease and illness. Man. News about him spread as far as Syria. Why? Because that's not supposed to happen. 
That's a powerful reality. There is nothing that is impossible with Jesus. And you know what? God still heals today. But it's Him. It's not the pastor coming up and laying on in hands. And we believe in that. But it's not the pastor. It's not the elder. It's not the guest speaker or the evangelist. Who heals? Jesus does. Still Him. Always will be. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or an epileptic or paralyzed, He, meaning Jesus, healed them all. Folks, if you're going to get involved in the kingdom of God, then you're going to be involved in everything, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual needs of a person. It's what Jesus did. And it's what He calls His people today to do as well. And many of you do this already. God bless you for that. Teach somebody else to do it as well. Jesus traveled to many areas around Galilee. And he addressed their real needs. The holistic needs. The body, the soul, the spirit. Though we're not Jesus, we do have the ability to meet the real needs of people. Somebody needs to eat. We don't hand them something empty. Here's an empty can. Give them real food. We don't give them an empty prayer. And remember, we also have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within us to guide us to minister to those in need. How many of you have a testimony to share? I didn't know what to do, Pastor, but God just told me to reach out to that person, to talk to them, to pray for them. And I did. And it ministered. And Life Journal on Monday night. A couple of the guys were sharing. Chris was sharing how he didn't want to do something, but he reached out and he did it anyways. And God ministered. Roger shared a story. What is that? that? That's doing kingdom work. How many know it's always safe to talk to other Christians who go to your same church? Don't you notice you have a completely different language at church than you do at home? What is that? And I, I don't fault you. Because the truth is, is you have a completely different language when you're at the shop, when you're in the office. There's a way that people talk there that they don't talk at home either. Okay? But Patrick, he was a one-book man. Everything he did was always about Christ. May that be within us too. May that guide us to be that vessel when the opportunity arises we're ready. And we can lift up His name. It's the Holy Spirit that fuel gives us the fuel for us in the kingdom. So let's look at Matthew verse 25. Large crowds followed Him wherever Jesus or He went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from the east of the Jordan River. How on earth did Jesus physically... Do all of this. You've got to be understanding. There are no cars. This guy walked wherever he went or took the boat kind of thing. 
I'm sure Jesus had a paddle with the guys as well. This is exhausting to travel. It's not like us getting in a plane. The exhausting part is getting through security, my goodness. But he does it. And then all that, he's got these 12 guys and he's discipling them. How on earth? Where's the stamina? And of course the answer is, it's the Holy Spirit that helps, that guides, that directs. Let's look at Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in, say it with me, in you. Yes. And Jesus is God. Raised Christ Jesus from the dead. He will give life to your mortal bodies. Anybody here tired? Let me say it this way. Anybody here sick and tired of being sick and tired? And I've got amens everywhere. He's the stamina. Holy Spirit, give me energy. Holy Spirit, give me alertness. Holy Spirit, give me discernment. What do you need? Holy Spirit, pray to the Holy Spirit. By the same Spirit living within you. The Spirit is divine. And it empowers us to do the work of the kingdom. Now look what Jesus said of the Spirit in John chapter 14, 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate. That's the paraclete. That's the counselor. That's the comforter. That's the Holy Spirit. Who will never leave you. Verse 17. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. How many have ever gotten, watched the news and look on the internet and you're going, I don't know what's going on in the world. I don't know who to trust. How do you know they're lying? Their lips are moving. Right? And you want, can I just get the truth? Even if I don't like it, just give me the truth. Well, it says right here, he is the Holy Spirit who leads Unto, into all truth. Go to the Lord. Watch the Holy Spirit give you truth. Give you discernment. The world cannot receive him because it, it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Amen? Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Because Acts chapter 2 hasn't happened yet. Jesus hasn't died on the cross. Jesus hasn't gone to the Father. The Holy Spirit hasn't been sent back down yet. The ascension hasn't happened. Elijah there and Moses, that thing hasn't happened. He hasn't gone. And the Holy Spirit hasn't come down yet. Pentateuch hasn't happened yet. The Pentecost hasn't happened yet. He says, then I'll send them to you. And finally, Jesus, Jesus says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. That, that word in the Greek is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's powerful. You're not going to stop this. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Wow. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, this is important. What's Jerusalem? It's the neighborhood. It's where everybody lived. Judea, that's the region. 
That's a huge area. And to what? The ends of the earth. Wow. See, the same spirit that empowered Jesus to minister, to disciple, and to conquer the grave, that same spirit, if you're a Christian, it's living in you. The Holy Spirit is that high-octane fuel of the kingdom to go do the work of the kingdom. And throughout the series, we've seen how the kingdom of heaven was originally established through Jesus, in Jesus, by Jesus. And first, Jesus was the unlikely king who went unnoticed by many religious leaders. I wonder how many, even today, although religious, do not see Jesus. Have you ever been in an airport and you see those people and they're, they're holding up a name and they're looking for somebody? They don't know what they look like. Looking for John. John Smith, please. I'm John Smith. You know what they have to do next? Can you show me your identification, please? They don't want to put a John Smith in the back of that limo and be the wrong John Smith. Do you know Jesus doesn't have to do that with you? He knows the number of hair on your head. He knows exactly how old you are. He knows the number of days you will live. He doesn't question who you are and what you were designed for and what your future is like. And he says, I so love you that I died on the cross for you. Well, of course, he was the unlikely hero because nobody expected him to be born to peasants, born in a barn. And then the kingdom was announced. It was introduced by just the oddest of individuals. And God chose John, that baptizing guy, John the baptizer, camel hair wearing, leather belt, locust, wild honey. The dude was just wild. But he moved in the prophetic. And when you listen to his words and the substance of his prophetic voice, nobody really questioned unless they were, as Jesus said, the snakes, the vipers. Literally, they would say, I need to be baptized. But they were of Father Abraham, it didn't matter. And they would get into the water and they would go and be baptized to say, I need God. We know that the same amazing love the Father has for His Son is also available to us 
through our relationship with Christ. And nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Folks, if somebody even goes to hell, do you know the Lord still loves them? Even in hell, he still loves them. And finally, in the very beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, we see him gathering the workers. The ones in the fishing boat, the other ones in the fishing boat, just gathering them and saying, I got to recruit. I need help. This is too big of a job. Do you think it was really too big of a job for him? Or is it because he just wanted them? How many of you have ever done something with a little child that you really didn't need them to be a part of it? You just wanted them to help make biscuits. He just wanted them to fill the flour and just be in the kitchen. Just stir the pot, sweetie. Go ahead. We're going to show you how to hold that knife. What's that all about? You can't cook without them because you know you need to teach them about things they'll need because they're a part of the family. That's what Jesus was doing. He's just saying, here, I want to teach you. Come into the kitchen. I want, I, no, we'll make the kitchen bigger. We can get more people in here. Whatever we got to do. Folks, you're called. To be disciples. You're called to be in the kitchen. Don't just sit there chomping at the bits. Do something with them peas, will you? Take out the bad ones and get rid of that, will you? Just do something. Don't just be talking and sitting. Folks, there are people who don't know Christ. And we can get the job done if we're going to be in the kitchen and we all work together. Remember, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. And the Father absolutely loves you. Father, I just lift up your church. God, motivate us, inspire us, convict us, Confirm in our hearts what we're to be about regarding the cause of Christ. Or that we're not going to be quiet anymore. We don't have to be rude and obnoxious. But we just need to be confident. Motivated by love to share Jesus, body, soul, and spirit with others. God, we pray for those souls. I sense the Holy Spirit telling me that you're to think of right now that one or two person in your life and you're to pray for them right here, right now. Or hear them as they pray, as they pray for that person, as you bring that person's face into their mind, that they begin to pray for that lost person in Jesus' name. Pray, Lord, because I, I sense for many of you that that person was saved. They were filled with the Spirit of God, but they walked away for whatever reasons. Some understandable and some not. But now God says, it's time. You pray to draw them back. 
You pray and I'll respond to your prayers. You pray for them right now. Set the captive free in Jesus' name. Hear the prayer of your people, Lord. And we pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.
and amen.